0: Jim Joyce, <laughs> happy Wednesday, man! Happy Wednesday, <laughs> happy
1: Wednesday. I know that at the last Health Excel, we were sort of making fun of, uh, I think Kevin, right, uh, Darcy, you get a nice about the, the 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 no haircut, haircut. But I see you got one, and I see some, I think palm trees behind you. That's definitely not Dublin.
0: That's not Dublin. That's not Dublin. This is um, this is Casa La Joyce. Uh, my parents, you know, in uh, Cocoa, Florida. So um, I've, I've come to check on them um, do some business. Uh, awesome. And, awesome. And, and yeah, and get my vaccine. I've got my vaccine.
1: You know, it's amazing. I mean, we're here in Europe and in Spain. I don't really hear people getting it, but like everyone I spoke to today in US, and it's been probably a half a dozen people just in the last few hours. Everybody is getting them or got them. So it's amazing. Kudos to the the administration and sort of getting that rolling out and moving and all of that. But uh, also nice haircut. Um,
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> courtesy,
1: <laughs> courtesy, <of> courtesy, courtesy. <laughs> but um, um, what do you call it? Oh, uh, so you know, I I know we leave it to uh, Health Two and Two to do the full update, but I, I just love receiving on on uh, Mondays the ENO, the Exits and Outcomes, Brian Dolan's newsletter. That's the free one that he sort of sums yep. it up. Holy yep. crap! I mean, uh, he counted. I wrote it down. One billion across five deals and another twenty deals. And yeah. I didn't realize it since last Wednesday, at least, uh, our, our friend Scott, who we had on Scott Shreve, a uh, hundred and something million, 168 million, which I think right. we were after him being on our show, uh, Right. we expected an IPO, but you know, let's see, I, you know, yeah.
0: yeah and it's so much but, um, action. I think, you know, Amazon, like a lot of the, the companies he works with, they're fascinating because they're moving in the space. It feels like it feels like they have, they all have multiple plays, you know, in the kind of primary care community, digital care, healthcare space. So yep. it's kind of hard to unpack all the activity, right? Like, I think it's like, it's like, it's like little, it's like a game of um, risk or something. It's like little military, <laughs> little military <Exactly>. wars <laughs> where everyone's kind of going after the market in different ways and shapes and forms and, you know, the <laughs> cards you get dealt you get, you get a SPAC for 100 million <laughs>
1: oh yeah SPACs everywhere though I did I did speak about SPAC wow that's a, a tongue twister to somebody and apparently it's getting harder now to sort of r- r- raise the capital for the spacks. and the question is and we've, we've talked about this before uh, yeah. you know is there enough targets you know maybe there's enough targets of evaluation but is there enough targets of you know good businesses so Anyway, but um, yeah. you know, sp- speaking because I, I know, you know, last week we talked about Roe and other sort of consumer-facing health businesses, and I'm I'm just super excited uh, to welcome our next guest, um, who yeah. is all about health consumerism. Um, so yeah, let I'll me you. invite in Jane Saranson Khan. She's coming on, coming in.
0: And where's she coming coming from? was she in new york
1: uh so she's normally in philly hello jane
2: hey how are you guys
1: <laughs> hey, how jane. big hugs and hey, did Jim. you guys ever meet before we go you know deeper I don't into think
2: it So, which is weird
0: yeah, yeah I, I don't i don't think so but a pleasure to meet you and i was just listening to your uh i was just listening to you talk about being the ultimate health citizen so i'm really looking forward to the conversation learning a bit oh you got it there's so <laughs>
1: awesome. much there's so much to unpack i was really looking forward to it and by the way jim that kiss that she blew was for me not for you
0: that's why i asked whoa, whoa 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 <laughs> let's not jump in i got funny <laughs> let's not jump to conclusions <laughs> i get the haircut i got the new haircut
2: looks good right? <laughs>
1: So, Jane, we, we never sort of, aside from the name, don't introduce anyone. Um, you know, I met you now, I guess, a decade ago-ish, right? At Through least. our lovely At Matthew Holt and, you know, and, and all that whole Health 2.0 community, which was sort of the early stages of health consumerism and trying to divide it. But why don't you give our millions before- of listeners...
0: Before we go there, I think we have to call you out on putting Lovely and Matthew Holt together. I think <laughs> I think we got to call you out on that
1: one. <laughs> oh, I bust his chops every day, so uh, it's
2: smart. I way back, <laughs> Matthew and I worked together at Institute for the Future when he was just out of Stanford. Oh, so wow. I've known him for 25 years, probably when we were both really young. Okay. Um,
1: was and, he always as good looking?
2: Uh, <laughs> he used to have hair and um but he's always been a bad dresser and uh i've i've bought him gift certificates to you know Eddie Bauer and really like khaki clothing yes. companies and uh it just hasn't worked so i've given up he, he's I'm a big really fan pro like he, he's a, a, a good good friend of mine
0: yeah, I, I'm a big fan. He's like, he's an important member of the, uh, the digital health community. So, but,
2: yeah.
1: By the way, before I we continue him. with your story, and since we're on Matthew now, I have <laughs> never, never, ever, ever, ever don't think I've ever gotten an actual compliment from him. He texted me the other day saying, I listened to your DTX podcast. Very nicely done and this is a guy who doesn't believe in dtxs so i'm just patting myself on the back because it's well, a big thing to get a you know That's kudos from matthew yeah. <laughs> yeah so back to you jane i'm sorry think tank continue
2: so you um you want me to just go back in the time machine a little bit yeah. and talk yeah, about absolutely. the origins of okay so um and- my um uh, My parents were both amazing health consumers, though my mother died before there was the open internet. She died in 99, but had a really good experience partnering with a doctor using the library for medical journals, friends, social support, and of course, love the ultimate social network. And I learned a lot watching her um, live long beyond her prognosis. Then my father didn't die until he was 86. My mother was 58 when she died. And my father lived in the age of the, of the internet and passed away 12 years ago, but um, really partook in social networks, was a bionic man. And so I had two really good examples of healthcare consumers who were really engaged in their health uh, from very young, you know, uh, early adolescence, through you know to what I what I'm doing now in my professional life, um, and so they've always been kind of on my shoulder in terms of inspiring and informing my worldview. Um, but the consumerism. So I I, be, I studied health economics University of Michigan before it was really a thing thing. Um, right, right. We we only had a we there were like two textbooks on health economics at the time, Martin Feldstein and somebody else's. And long story short, well um, oh, you lost me hang on a second i'm coming back um i there use my hands too much long story short um i became a healthcare consultant that's all i've ever done is advise companies for 10 12 years in big firms mostly accounting based firms the last one was touche ross in london then i came and that's my husband and moving over there. And that's another part of my life. And he's still my husband and he's in the other room. <laughs> well um, done. Speaking well to done. a well sick done. French banker with COVID in Paris. Very sad. Um, we do have, anyway, we do have our spouses uh, yeah. on
1: the show. So feel free to invite him in yeah. if you, if you miss well, him. I, so I
2: must FYI. ask the lovely uh, about the lovely Marina and, and the coaching business. So <laughs> I won't let that go. Um, anyway, um, I would say for the the last 15 years or so when, and you guys have worked in pharma a long time um, when we saw copays going from zero and five bucks to sort of 10, 15, 20. And I was working, you know, with pharma as clients in say a diabetes franchise or a cardiology franchise saying, you know, there's something here we need to start talking about, which is the fact that it's a $20 bill when Mrs. Jones goes to fill Mm -hmm. Mr. Jones statin. Um, which then, you know, statins weren't as generic as they are now. And right, right. anyway, I started to think about the $20 bill as sort of the first point of purchase retail health experience a long time ago. And that yeah. got me really engaging in the patient as a consumer before we really started to, the, the industry really adopted that. So I was a little bit early in, in, in that and exciting. And I really built the last 12 years of my career really looking at the consumer technology the role of the internet and e-health and then health policy and economics. Uh, And then the last few years now with the home being the hub of health for for people. So I try to stay a little bit uh, ahead of things. And that's why when I worked 10 years as an associate researcher with Institute for the Future, when I started my company, my business, Think Health, um, I really cut my teeth on forecasting with Ian Morrison, who was head of it then, you all know who Ian is. And then Wendy Everett came in to replace Ian in health. And she has a much more public health, social determinants of health lens. So it was interesting, I had the Ian hit, um, who and Ian really influenced Matthew Holt a lot too, and then the Wendy hit, looking more at public health, Robert Wood Johnson stuff, and yep. all yep. that is in me now uh, as I age <laughs> into this career and and mature. And I, I love you know focusing on the patient as this underutilized resource.
0: Can you, can you give? Can you give like um? I don't know if there's an, there's an echo, echo there. there. So I'm volume down a little bit. But, uh, there is but an, echo an echo on your echo side. On your side. Maybe, maybe. Maybe the Maybe volume was out a little, down a little bit, bit if you yeah. if you just, just not a, little, like a little it. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. tweak it down. Yeah, if you tweak it down, you might lose that. Otherwise okay. I would
2: say It's down now.
0: <laughs> okay. I think that yeah, that's much better. Um, is, it, so just could you um, like what's the status of the copay right now? Like where where are we at with the copay?
2: Well, we have high deductibles for lots of people now. So the copay is more like um, a big dollar amount that a lot of people avoid paying. So it was much more palatable to have a five or 10 or $20 copay. Um, you know, we always say if, it, if you can hide it on a, a charge, uh, you know, your, your MasterCard bill, it's less than like a, a cable bill. You know, you can kind of get away with things, a cheap cable bill. But... Um, with the high deductible now, all bets are off because so many people are rationing care because it's my money now. And it's more than a $20 bill. Uh, A a deductible could be $1,500 up to $8,000 for a family of four. Um, They go that high. So uh, we're seeing uh, a, a burgeoning of Self rationing of care in America, based on this high deductible, and it's really poorly designed. It's the opposite of value-based care. If we really believed in value-based care, we would make draw um, medication medications for chronic illnesses literally free, or maybe a buck for ninety days. Right. You know, charge a little bit, so, and then you, you drive adherence way up but you know, value-based payment is still not there yet. Uh, And there's an elegance to designing value-based payments. We're learning more about now. So some some employers get it and we're seeing more, but copay, it depends. Uh, It depends if it's a a condition like mental health conditions, people want the brand that works for them and they may be willing to pay for that. If it, you know, keeps your sex life going, if you keep your hair, uh, you know, if you feel the effects, you're much more willing to pay for it than like for a statin, which is right. why, or or even insulin, which has gotten way out of control. You know, so what would be copay
0: we, insulin would be like, what would be a copay for someone on insulin, like um long they'd be paying a thousand bucks a year or they you be could paying?
2: be you, you could be doing a hundred bucks a month, um, which is yeah. a real deterrent to sticking on it. And then of course you show up in the emergency room and what good is that, then you're looking at that. So So we're so uh, immature when it comes to value-based design, at least just for things like insulin, which should be really a public health good, I think, in terms of zero or very cheap payment.
1: I just wanted to contrast because you've been there also from the beginning of this like health consumerism, <clears throat> at least as it relates to the health 2.0 movement, right, um, as well. And I am I always talk about, you know, that health consumer, the hypothesis with health consumer was there 10, you know, over a decade ago, right, uh, 2005, six, seven, and, and, and above, and, and then all of those startups and companies just sort of pivoted relatively quickly. They couldn't find a model. It was advertising-based. They pivoted towards B2B. But I feel like, you know, not just with your health popular coverage, but everywhere, sort of the rise of the consumer is back. And is it because we're no longer doing the $5 co-pays, but $100 a month, yeah. and it's just more coming out of your pocket? And so I want to be able to buy and procure things at uh, scientific base. Yeah. So I'm curious on your thoughts to contrast what was 10 years ago plus.
2: I think the way I'm looking at it now is like a retail good. It's the retailization of healthcare. We use in your lifetime- Cheers to that. Retail health cheers was, the. cheers, coffee. Um, <laughs> in, in your lifetime in pharma, um, retail was the pharmacy. But now retail is everything that you pay for out of pocket. Um, And if we wanna go to Marina Barukovic for um, our health, that should be part of our our, uh, FSA or MSA deduction. So at least we get a 35% or so uh, reduction on that. And many docs are now prescribing exercise as medicine, food as medicine. My husband, who's got family uh, cholesterol, he's been using red yeast rice for years along with his swimming to keep cholesterol down. That comes off our MSA so because his doctor writes a script for it. So you have to you have to have that kind of partnership with your clinician, which is something I learned from my parents a long time ago. You can partner with physicians, and they kind of like it um, when you do because you're more accountable, and your outcomes are are, are generally better. Um, but you're, the point about this retail, so to me, all health is retail now because people are paying hard dollars out of pocket, pre or post tax, depending on the thing. So if we think about healthcare in this way, it's really useful because we then start to think about how retail is reshaped in other parts of our life. So in COVID especially, and that's what you know the new book on health citizenship talks about, how did COVID reshape consumers and then consumers as health citizens? There he is. C-19. <laughs> um, so-
0: um, C-19
1: free zone, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, we don't have any penalties for it, so.
2: Sorry, um, C-19, so, uh, or the coronavirus. Uh, the pandemic has really reshaped us <laughs> She's in, retail, in the mall <laughs> driving us to e-commerce, but omni-channel. So now I'm thinking about, as we think about telehealth and telemedicine and virtual care, it just becomes part of omni-channel healthcare. And Thank I you. think if we look at it that way, then we start to design it like consumers want it. It absorbs into just health, healthcare, the way in our lifetime, we talked about e-business, and now it's just you know, yes. digital, like right. in everything. And right, that's right. where I think we're going to be looking at virtual care and telehealth. It's just part of the continuum of care. So we um, say omnichannel
0: from, omni-channel from like, you know, the digital health technology company is distributing their product through omni-channel or you're thinking about acquiring an omni-channel?
2: So thinking about omni-channel in all of the touch points where you could get health from. Okay. So look at the the demand side, instead of the supply side of healthcare, think about it from the consumer's point of view. I can go CVS online, I can go to CVS bricks and mortar, I can um, have CVS at the curbside or they deliver to my house or uh, um, all of these different areas. Or now CVS Health offers uh, a voice device uh, like Alexa called Symphony at home which now I can order off of the way I might order off of Alexa and they'll be doing other more health care things through that device. So all of a sudden omni-channel in the eyes of the consumer means I can get CVS anywhere I want, however I want, when I want, in my home, via my watch, on online as an e-patient, if I'm still doing like a a computer-based, you know, ordering or Googling, and then in the store. So I think that's why that's how I've been thinking about this in the pandemic era. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's, it's want,
0: go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to make a funny. Like, I, I wonder how uh, how many Alexas this show will set off in people's homes.
0: <laughs> Alexa.
1: <laughs> but symphony, there's not many symphonies out there, right?
0: So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, So, but so anyway. we think like, you know, so with my company uh, Health Beacon, so we have an injection adherence. We have the world's for smart sharp spin. Um, and it helps people stay on their injectable medications. But when I've morphed into an omnichannel, like during really during the, the zone that we're in with <laughs> the time we're in right now, but I, I've morphed into that omnichannel because at first we went to the pharmaceutical companies and we said, you know, when you do a patient services program, why don't you consider distributing our product, you know, to help make sure people stay on your medications? And those tend to be high expense medications. And then we got a consumer opportunity, but that was more focused on the diabetic that might not have been supported by the pharma companies in the same way. So we said, okay, you go out of pocket and walk into a CVS or a Walgreens and buy it and maybe use your health savings account. And then, and then we thought about taking our tech and wrapping up in a digital therapeutic and having a prescribed version of it. So we're kind of, and, and this is really, and people, and people ask me, well, are you, more, are you eating your business in other areas. And I go, I don't really think of it that way because I'm just trying to get distribution and kind of meet the patient where they're at. That's it. Yep. That's you're it.
2: scaling it in different ways per what the consumer wants. And the consumer will be better off because of that. Cause she'll appreciate she can get it in the form and the format she wants it. So good that's great. You know, uh, opportunity to exploit again across the many media and platforms and channels. I
0: was just trying to get my strategy validated, Eugene. because I knew
1: that's it. I, 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 it's funny. I was going to make a joke, <laughs> and that now you strange. just got free free advice on <laughs> awesome. on on the show, right? We had um, set, let's,
0: let's sell some books for her. <laughs> so, <laughs> so
1: I, no I'm actually ashamed because I I did buy your first book, the health uh, consuming, right? Oh, I think that was the the name, right? I don't think I ever got it signed, therefore I never read it, so it's just sitting there. We'll we'll correct that.
2: When I um, see you, and I will see you in the fourth quarter this year in Europe yes, at some point. Yes. Uh, we'll yeah. be back. I'm all vaccinated now.
1: But by the yeah. way, uh, you know the connection because you guys are going to Italy, right? You now. Oh, have, Brussels. Oh,
2: Brussels. Brussels.
1: Okay. Oh, you're moving to
2: Brussels. Well, we. Have an apartment in Brussels. I'm an Italian citizen. It's a long story. That's, Plus, that's where US I was going to make
1: the connection. So so I'm Italian an EU passport.
2: But our apartment, we just re-upped for another year through March next year in Brussels. We have stuff. I, I have stuff over there. So, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't been in Brussels since March.
0: Oh, wow. Well, you got to get, you got to, yeah. once things calm down a little bit, definitely fourth quarter, Yeah, we have to get you because I'm usually in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, I'm in. Well, so and in
2: my Ireland. husband's in Dublin a lot. Calling on banks, so um, anyway, okay. we don't have to talk about him anymore, so, but, but um, but,
1: it, but he's, he's
2: lovely too. So, um, in any case, I love Dublin, so I'll see you too
1: at Health Excel. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think it's well,
2: September, I mean, October, I'm we'll type see of you know. And Marty, and you know, awesome, yeah, um, we know we'll, we'll get it together.
0: So, I have loads of questions, Eugene, but I don't want to take over. I no, yeah. no,
1: no. Go, go. I, I, you know.
0: I, yeah like anyway, i wanted to like you. i want to touch on two things okay so i love the f- fact that you have a uh, you said that you have a hedge with your italian passport <laughs> i love that that's awesome but i want to i want to um uh, just so you, i think you say in that you talk about the tech companies being as trusted as um healthcare systems or hospital systems i think could you just unpack that like that blows me away that i'll i would trust like Amazon more than you know walking into a hospital? Is that what you're saying or is that what you've seen?
2: Yeah, it, that was true about 18 months ago. Um, well, it was true pre-Cambridge Analytica Facebook. And then something happened uh, during the C-19 pandemic. Um, I'm trying to comport with your- <laughs> The
1: situation. The The situation, situation.
2: (laughs) Um, which some people listening might think back to that terrible reality show with the situation, that (laughs) guy from the Jersey Shore. So we're not talking about him. We're talking about (laughs) coronavirus. Um, Something happened last year when uh, many consumers stopped trusting the government or technology. And if you look at what I've written about the Edelman Trust Barometer, which comes out during every Davos World Economic Forum. Every January, Edelman polls the world, citizens, on trust. And the last two years, the most trusted uh, touchpoint organization, My Employer. And last year, no no uh, less than any other year, because nobody trusted information on the coronavirus from government, media, or journalists, or tech, because people thought tech was going to exploit their personal data. So last year, I was starting to see data from consumer research, retail research, where people were asked, would you share your personal information like temperature with an I- app? And more and more people said no. Not e- We're not even talking about a COVID-19 um, positive or an STD test positive. We're talking about your temperature.
0: So wow. we saw wow. a big
2: shift in trust during the coronavirus, much of it politically driven, yeah. either far left or far right. You know, this is right. polar. And then every most of us kind of in the middle of that curve, but those edges are, the anti-vax on both both ends of that right now in every country every developed country in the world in whether we're looking at germany france the uk or the us uh it's astonishing so the tech thing is interesting because certain techs, if you look at the rock health research are trusted more than others facebook no at the bottom Microsoft quite high, interestingly enough. Mm. Tim, uh, I mean uh, Satya Nadella has done a really good job really depoliticizing has. Microsoft mm-hmm. compared yeah. to other yeah. CEOs, Google or um, uh, Amazon, of course. Bezos, the man everyone wants to hate. So, um, so I think it, it, it's interesting to look at tech right now. I think Microsoft and its Azure cloud is getting a lot of business because companies like Walgreens or Walmart do not wanna work with Amazon AWS, but they'll work with Microsoft Azure because right. it's not right. Amazon for obvious reasons. So I think do, tech is very interesting.
0: Do you think people want all their, like I'm, I'm just with um, uh, my mother here in Florida and, and she's talking about taking her Libra and she has her Alexa, and then and then she has her health beacon device, which is my company tracking her, her uh, insulin. So and you know, do you you know like uh, you know she's gonna hook it all up just to help me out, <laughs> but but do people really want all that data, like hooked up together? Or you know, is that like because that's kind of the promise a little bit, right? Yeah. Like it's like it you all know, can get joined together. But then I feel like, to your point around the temperature, like I walked into a hotel and they were taking my temperature, and I'm like, Geez, what if my temperature's up? do they not let prepared. me in the hotel? Like, what am I gonna do, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm seeing that in grocery stores now as well, where you're seeing those temperature beacons up. So in, in general, the sicker you are, um, if you have a dire illness, the more willing you are to share your data, first for your own care, second to pay it forward for other patients, and third, it's kind of this data altruism, which I've written about with Susanna Fox, who's looked at this a lot in peer-to-peer healthcare. We talk about data altruism, people wanting to pay it forward with their data. People who are really unwell understand the value of their data. This temperature thing is more, I'm young, um, you know. I'll, I'll check in in Foursquare and say, I'm drinking like a fool. But, um, and that of course can get scraped by any third-party broker data broker but share my temperature for for tracking <laughs> the coronavirus for public health to love thy neighbor right so it's 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 interesting but in general people who are sicker will share data for a value exchange and that's really what it's about now you your mom's going to receive great value in bringing all those apis together and data that can educate her about you know Uh, when she should eat, what she should eat, uh, take a walk, you know, whatever, listen to Willie Nelson to feel better because your mood is down, you know, whatever you could program into the the, um, coaching of it. So yeah, I'm really big on what you're doing in terms of if we can corral that data and make it meaningful and actionable to people for self-care to avoid entering the expensive capital intense hospital setting. That's what we, that's what everybody really wants.
1: I I remember years and years ago, I think you, uh, you, you guys may know the late Michael Ceres, um, you know, the, the e-patient, right? I, I was on a panel with him ages ago, actually, I think probably at a health 2.0. Yeah. And I remember something he said, he said, you know, until you get diagnosed and you have something that you're really struggling through and going through um you know you don't care so i love your you know your comment of of data altruism but i do have a follow-up on on the trust so you kind of said the trust went away from uh can you guys hear me okay or
2: it's Yeah. yeah yeah
1: Uh, the trust American went from away from government and tech. So where did it go? I mean, yes, you mentioned Microsoft as one of the sort of leading trustworthy brands, but you know, if, if it gone away from government, it gone away generally from tech. Did it go back into health insurance or pharma? Like, or where did it go? Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. So pharma's reputation this year has skyrocketed because of two companies, Pfizer, and interestingly, AZ. Um, AZ, aside from this whole blood clot data thing, let's put that aside. But if you look at, there's some interesting retail data, looking, asking consumers what companies rose in their brand equity love in the last year. There were 20 companies, lots of streaming companies, you know, Hulu, Netflix, gaming companies, Venmo, uh, and then of course DoorDash and Grubhub, two healthcare companies on there. Pfizer and AZ, because people learned about the vaccine that way. And we're looking at data from like December 2020, that brand watch came out. So I looked at that and also Lysol and Clorox, beloved to people yep. in the pandemic because of hygiene. So um, in any case, uh, Eugene, your question is, so pharma this year in Edelman and other Harris and Gallup polls, Pharma is hot now they it is theirs to lose in the United States, because the drug pricing again this year, so that's not a wild card in planning that that is going to happen so pharma could get hit. Because of pricing if they're not if the industry isn't careful, but the part of the health system still most trusted is my doctor. My doctor, in terms of these surveys. So it's my doctor I trust with my data. The personal physician is still the most trusted data steward in healthcare. Um, now the conundrum here is most young people do not have a, a medical home, do not have a PCP. You go to American Well or, or MD Live yeah. or um, yeah. Teladoc. Um, I, my daughter's 24. Her OBGYN is her primary care, right? Because that's all she really needs. And she doesn't even need that anymore because she can go to NERCS. And as they say in the ad, order her birth yep. control online. I'm probably sharing TMI, but she's a 24-year-old girl. So of it's course- It's a shot
1: of digital health therapy. It's, you you know, know, she it's knows therapeutic. She,
2: she, she's fine. <laughs> um, she's a great exhibit A. Um, so um, trust my doctor. Don't trust the health plan. That, that has not been- the trusted place. Then it becomes local media. So it's sort of, I don't trust national media, the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Fox or CNN or MSNBC. I trust my local newspaper, like I trust my local doctor. And then um, for, for in the States, for more um, Democrats and Republicans, I trust the CDC and public health departments. My local public health department, state public health department, more than CDC, but of course people don't understand the local public health department gets the information from this right. CDC. So it's become so politicized and scary that way. Because there right. is science. We want to live and respond to science. And um, we're in a really dark place on trust right now. I, I um,
0: thought you were gonna I, I thought you were gonna say all right, and maybe you did say it before a little bit, which was that people would trust their employer. Yes, so.
2: yeah. The in the Edelman work, the employer is the top trusted um, entity organization in people's lives right now because employers are seen as taking care of you, telling you not to come back to work. It's not safe. People want to get health information from their employers. And that's been true in 2020, and it's true this year as well. So it was true a month before the pandemic really uh, hit yeah. hard. Um, so yeah, the employer is playing an interesting role right now, globally and in the U.S.
0: Yeah, fascinating. And, I, I know that- one actually-
1: Sorry, Jim. I I just want to zoom into that, right? Because, um, you know, at your coach, we're doing quite a lot of, you know, uh, research and experimentation on some of those models. And, you know, when we look at the employers, um, I, you know, it was an astounding number to me that 99.7% of all businesses in U.S. are SMBs, 500 employees or less, right? And so when you're citing the data of the trust, are we talking about the large employers that have the facilities, the infrastructure to ensure the safe return? Or are we talking about small businesses or both? I don't know if any of this is differentiated, right?
2: Edelman didn't differentiate by firm size. Um, it is the larger companies that have the ability to scale the kinds of things you're talking about and increasingly deal with the mental health issues that employees have, because most employees yeah. did not get COVID. Uh, they might, many might have been a COVID positive, but what is going to last beyond even the endemic, because we're going to be living with this for a long time, is um, mental and emotional health and financial health. So it's the larger companies who are now looking at employee benefits baked with um, primary care that has mental health in it at the beginning, not as an afterthought or carve out the way it used to be. It must be together. And at the same time, especially for younger workers, financial health, Uh, younger people with student loan debt that is so backbreaking. Uh, And then for a lot of workers who lost hours or jobs in the pandemic, the student loan thing is huge for younger workers. Younger workers were harder hit financially in the U.S. during COVID. Europe did a nice job at supplanting income for people because that's what Europe does. Um, And the states. We've got some checks coming to people, but nothing like what most European countries did or EU countries. So um, we have a real financial wellness problem, which for the coaching business, Eugene, is really important because mindfulness meditation, you know, you look at Headspace, the Calm app, the hockey stick growth of the digital mental health. And I look at that as digital therapeutic too, because software is medicine and it doesn't necessarily need... The, the medication with it. So, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the Calm app now for sleep, for example.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, and I think I might've said it, um, you know, in one of the other shows, but, you know, the, um, you know, we are focused on providing a virtual home for coaches and their clients, but we're now uh, having an influx of end consumers also downloading And for the last three months, that number has been steady around 35 to 40% of the requests coming in are mental health related, right? And it's not necessarily like clinical mental health. It's, you know, still like just working through my anxiety at home and, you know, all of these things, 40%, right? 35 to
2: 40%. Yeah. No, anxiety and depression is the new black, like. Everybody has a form of PTSD from this. Even when we are wealthy and well, yeah. the lockdown has not been healthy for anybody. So, I mean, that has to become embedded in health and healthcare now, uh, yeah. whether it's self-care coaching or in, you know, the Kaiser system, and even uh, when you talk to American Well and Teladoc and Cigna um has been doing a lot of work in behavioral health the 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 part of telehealth that's persisted after the hockey stick growth has been mental health not so much the triage for I have a sore throat this mental health thing online is huge and thank thank goodness it's there for people who haven't had access
0: I I think you know I don't know how Eugene you feel but like as you're growing a team but like my team's I say we're we're almost 50 people now right like um and you know, we're, so we're small, but the role that I, myself and my management staff and almost to each other, or like even Eugene and I starting this podcast, we always talk about it was a way to kind of, you know, help get through this, right. Like get, get through this period that, that the role, like I was sitting with um, maybe 20 top health tech companies or no, sorry, technology companies in Ireland at an event the other day and the level of effort and care they were putting into You know socialization and events and sending them things and you know checking in with them which just blew me away and they were it's almost like they all became their own mental health app you know what i mean they were all like you know they're like you know checking in like hey jane how are you feeling what's going on you know let us know you know because there was such a direct payoff of productivity i mean it's obviously doing the right thing and you know wanting to be a good you know a good person and seeing people be well which is probably the fundamental you know, reason you would start a company and do a lot of things anyway, but like, but really you had productivity problems if you didn't do it, right? Like you, you had real, real solid productivity problems.
1: You know, you know the one thing we're watching and, you know, we're, we're really trying Marina and I on Fridays to really shut off. We tell the team because while the productivity is actually through the roof for I think all of the companies, all of the employers, right. which actually has a potential. I mean, really like a burnout challenge right ahead of us right. coming and it's like bubbling up, uh, you know, and this is why we are being very proactive and as a tiny little startup, we ourselves are saying, you know what, use the money that we reimburse for health coaches on our platform, you know, take off shut down you know I I think this is so important and uh, lastly I think you know back to you know us starting this but I'll text people and say just checking in because something triggered in my head that they're not doing a normal response to correspondence as I used to and so I think peer-to-peer support and back to Susanna Fox and um, Alexander Drain and you know all, all that that crew of peer support is just huge, right?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting, uh, the two of you have created this pod, this emotional pod, because Susanna Fox, Alex Drain, Lisa Sunin, and Margaret Laws and I, uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern every Monday morning, we have a Zoom call. They are my therapy yeah. right. pod
0: right lovely um, these
2: five women coming together since last april weekly yeah. and you know we're busy women the five of us so it's it's usually three to four sometimes we get all five but i think this the issue of empathy has really come out in the pandemic. Um, yeah. And just, uh, let me just add the CEO of Citigroup who's actually a female CEO, my, hu- my husband knows her, she's brilliant, I don't remember her name. Last week in the Wall Street Journal, she came out to say, we will have Zoom free Fridays. Yeah, I saw, that. Anyone I saw that, in the City.
0: Yeah, my, wife, my wife is, uh, is at Citibank for her whole career. And- and I've seen the videos go down on Friday now, and we're all very excited about that. There
2: you go. So, I mean, there's more and more, and, and you're right, productivity is crazy, but we can't self-regulate that easily right now. We're, we're a bit yeah. manic. And so I think it's great. Some people think it's the nanny state, but I'm a, I have a public health degree along with my <laughs> economics degree. So for public health, it's a good thing.
1: So, you know, the funny thing is we actually have the complete reverse with the team, Um, you know, Monday through Thursday, any of the calls, we actually say, shut off the video. We know what we look like. We see the picture, just, you know, let's focus. And Fridays is the only day that we say, you know what, that hour that we're going to spend, just hang out, video on, jokes, weather, whatever. So we kind of reversed it saying... Only one hour right. a week is where we actually require the video. So
0: I, I think right. Citibank, they work. I mean, I, I love yeah, Citibank. Yeah. I love Citibank because it's, you know, as I've always started companies, my wife has been a stable earner for the family. But the, um, <laughs> but uh, so I have nothing, I have nothing but positivity towards Citibank, but they work them hard. You know what I mean? Like the banking in general, not just, you know, oh, they, they just work them very, very hard. And um, yeah. like you saw the Goldman Sachs, you know, I couldn't believe that like here you have Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, people kind of willing to kind of unionize and talk about the fact that they were being overworked. Like, who would have thought?
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm the timekeeper, um, and there's just so much to unpack and keep going deeper and wider, and then deeper again. Uh, because I think we're just, you know, my two senses, we're just starting to really untap that health consumer, right? And I, I'm not gonna put words, but. Uh, You know, for you know, we always kind of actually, Jim, I'll hand it back to you. Your your famous question at the end. Go for (laughs) it. Well, yeah, no, yeah,
0: we we love we love you to kind of like just think about of a piece of advice, but but maybe like a little context. I I was listening to you and talking about this power of the community. I think you talked about where this virtuous cycle that um, you know the impact that that if you do something positive, you give up smoking, then someone in your community, but you may be with that context, what would be your advice for, for people trying to make their way as digital health tech entrepreneurs right now?
2: Well, you have to get up close and personal with this consumer. You have to do your anthropological research. Your real user-centered design, which is what my daughter does. She went to the Savannah College of Art and Design to learn how to do that professionally. And it's a skill that's in such demand now across every industry. So it's getting the, it's designing empathy uh, into the app, the tool, the phase two of the research. I mean, know thy customer and then it's health equity By design, because we need to understand our our patients, our consumers, and our caregivers. Let's give Alex and Susanna credit on the caregiver side as well, because they're really influential and important too in this this new mode of self-care and the home as the health pod. So we have to become designful and mindful and empathetic, and I think live with the kind of grace that you guys are showing each other and that you saw Jim at your recent meeting, and that Eugene is showing with his his team, um, because it's a tough time. Like, it's a dark and hard time, and I'm lighter because I have my vaccines now, but really, Robert and I aren't gonna change our life all that much. I'm still gonna wear a mask, and I'm still afraid to have dinner with friends. I mean, it's just, yeah. Us, you know, we are—we're the famous dinner party couple. Like, we love, you know, the long Italian table, and you've seen that in movies. Like, that's me. I'm the cook. Um, <laughs> it's been a real—it's been hard. So I think designful, mindful, empathetic, and um, it's, it's measure three times, cut once. Do that. that research, 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 um, with real people, and hire hire these fabulous young you know, service and user-centered designers, because they know what they're doing. And there's a lot of them in Dublin. I know Dublin's got a great design community, um, as did Berlin, and as as does Spain. I mean, Europe really was was the center for service design, which was the degree my daughter ultimately got. All They were all European professors at SCAD, came out of Copenhagen. Wow. That, uh, I, I was going to say, it's
0: either like... Yeah. Under
2: user-centered design. Yeah, it's Design for service industries. So I like
0: this. I love that. Design. What do you call it? You said uh, design for empathy. I yeah, just design absolutely. for empathy
2: and health equity by design. And interestingly this week, just to leave you with this, you know, this is not, this this is not just for a nice to do. This is a must do now because we know that there's so much bias in algorithms and bias in systemic bias in the healthcare system, and not just in the US. I do a lot of work with the NHS in Britain, and there's a lot of no. crap, excuse me, but that's <laughs> the uh, opera, opera, operable word. Um, in, in every health system, there's bias. So we need to design that out uh, of the system because ultimately if like just with where we are now with the pandemic, if we don't do vaccine diplomacy and get vaccines into arms all over the world, this will never go away. (laughs) Like it ain't a zip code problem, it's global. You know, it's not local. So uh, we often have said healthcare is local but when it comes to public health, it's global. And I think we know that now. Um, So God bless us everyone that we, you know, adopt empathy and really good design. And the, the connectivity that you were talking about, the social network from um, the great research of Christakis and Fowler, um, it, it is a virtuous cycle. You wear a mask, you influence other people to wear it. You don't, other people have an excuse not to. And that's just how it works. So yeah, quit smoking, Get your get your weight you know, down, lose those COVID-15, if you can hire Marina to help you do that. Um, She can't
1: scale, but our thousands of coaches can.
2: There you go. And then, um, and then the love, you know, just love each other and that will bolster the love and that's important.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. 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 So with with that, for the ones that are hanging with us, click the subscribe button, reach out to Jane, healthpopuli.com. I am always amazed of how much writing you do and your diligence and consistency. Okay. I can learn from you uh, for sure. And thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you guys. Bye. Oh, it was so much listen, fun. Lovely yeah, to
0: see you. <laughs>